Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Jen Chan is the founder of the Senior Shower Project, whose mission is to start a new family tradition that celebrates a senior caregiver-to-be with a senior shower. I'll let Jen explain how it all works and why she started her company, but here's a hint. Like a lot of people who create startups in the field of aging, Jen has a personal connection to her work. In her early 20s, she became a primary caregiver for her grandmother. Jen's going to tell us about that, too, in today's episode. She joins us from the San Francisco Bay Area in Northern California. Jen Chan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Janice. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's get started by setting the stage for our listeners. Tell us about your background and how you came to be your grandmother's primary caregiver. I became a caregiver for my grandma, as you said earlier, just in my early 20s. I just got out of college. I got my degree, and I really wanted to start working in the big city of San Francisco. But at this time, my grandma just started, um, you know, her body started aging. I could tell that she needed a walker, whatnot. And then I realized, I said, you know, maybe I should stick around home for a little bit and not really worry about my career, but really focus on my grandma. Because the reason why I'm so connected to my grandma is that she raised me from when I was 10 months old. So... Basically, she's my mom and dad. And when I saw that she needed more help at home, more companionship, just help around the house, I decided to kind of slowly take on this role of caregiving. Can you explain <clears throat> how it came to be that she raised you? Well, with all due respect to my parents, they had, had my brother and I when um, they were in the early 20s and they separated and then they remarried and started new families. And so my grandma... Uh, at the age around, you know, in her mid-60s, decided to raise my brother and I. So she basically just started taking care of us uh, in terms of guardianship. I uh, started off here in San Jose, started in San Jose, then we moved back to Hong Kong, where my family roots are, and then I was there for about six years, and then we came back, and came back to the San Jose area, and she continued raising raising me. So she has always been my mom and my dad. I guess she's just like my mother and father figure. So once I started seeing that she started aging, I said, if my grandma can give me 20, if not 30 years, I can give her that, if not more. It was kind of a natural intuition of taking care of my grandma. Um, and in addition, I'm obviously going to throw in a little bit of Asian culture. I'm, I'm, I'm half Chinese and my grandma's Chinese. So she raised me with a lot of traditional Chinese values. And one of the main values of the Chinese culture is to respect your elders and also to take care of them. So in essence, I was just kind of following my, my roots and saying, hey, it is now my turn to give back and take care of the elders in my family. Mm-hmm. When we met, did you tell me that your grandfather was alive or not alive? Uh, I'm going to have to say he's most likely not alive. Um, uh-huh. She doesn't talk about him and he's in perhaps Hong Kong, maybe China somewhere. And she hasn't really divulged as, that much information. And unfortunately, my grandma passed away last year. I haven't gotten that side of the story from her. My grandma passed away last year. 
on May 7th, okay. 2015. Okay. So we're approaching her one-year anniversary. Okay. So your grandmom took care of you. She raised you. And you were a caregiver for her for how long? For 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah, a third of my life, really. <laughs> really? How old are you now? I'm turning 35. Okay. So I have a, I'm proud to say that I've been a caregiver for a third of my adult life. <laughs> wow. And so you started this when you were in your early 20s. Tell me what your grandmother's health issues were and how this affected your personal life. Hmm, let's see. She was not necessarily diagnosed with any chronic illnesses or disease. She just she had the high cholesterol. She had diabetes. She had swollen ankles. So she wasn't able to walk as much. Mm -hmm. And then we found out as her body started aging, she got a pinched nerve in her spine. Mm -hmm. So from there, she was not able to control her, I guess you can say her number ones and number twos. Mm -hmm. So at that point, she became incontinent and had to wear diapers. Mm -hmm. So it was a progression of her just getting older and needing in insulin shots from the diabetes. A lot of doctors visit to see what new medications she needed. And she was diabetic. And then when she... She was diabetic, and then when that happened with the swollen ankle, she wasn't able to walk as much. Then when she got the diagnosis with her pinched nerve in her spine, then she couldn't control her bowel movement, so she had to wear diapers, and then eventually she was on a walker and in a wheelchair. And So it just was a natural progression. Nothing major happened. I mm -hmm. think her body just kind of progressed into needing more help from other people. Mm -hmm. And how old was she when she died? I'm proud to say she made it to 98. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was pushing her. I said, Grandma, you're almost there. We would love for you to be a centenarian. Come on, Grandma. You can do oh, this. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So when you started caring for her in earnest, you were still working. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I, uh, I started a really, really fancy consulting job up in San Francisco. I was commuting all sorts of hours in the wee hours of the morning and night. But as Grandma needed more help, I just felt like... Even though I had a fancy job in San Francisco, my heart said that that wasn't fulfilling because I got to see my grandma only at 6 a.m. in the morning and when I got in really late at night at 11 p.m. And that to me wasn't a life worth living because I never got to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. And so when I quit my fancy job, you know, my employer at that time said, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes. And they, they offered me more salary. And I said, it's not about the money. It's really about my grandma. And I can quote myself on that. I remember when I said that, hmm. and my employer just looked at me, didn't quite get it, but they all, they kind of got it. And I said, it's okay. It's I'm just going to go home and hang out with grandma. And I did. Mm -hmm. I did have some money saved up. And then I would get odd end jobs somewhere. And then eventually was able to get another job that was flexible enough for my hours for when I had to be with grandma and then take off and work several hours and come back. So if you hadn't quit your job, would you have hired home health aides? Was that even an idea that you thought maybe you should do? You should pursue that? I think you're actually hitting on a really good note because I had no concept of a home health aide before I quit my job. I just said, I just need to be home with grandma and we'll work it out. Hmm. And then I think, yeah, and then um, I am also, again, I want to say I'm fortunate because it's not just me. I have a I have a huge family that's in the San Jose area within, say, like a 10, 15-mile radius where mm -hmm. we have a big family here where everybody steps up to the plate to help. So I think a lot of my aunties, uncles, cousins, brother, we would all come in and help out and be with grandma until we figured out, okay, I think we need a little bit more professional help. 
So at that point, we weren't thinking about home health aid. We said, who can be with grandma? It was in the family. Yeah, it was in the family. We're juggling, we're coordinating, seeing what we needed. And your brother was living with you as well. Is that right? At that point as well, yes. Did you guys tag team each other? (laughs) We did, and it was really, really interesting. My brother and I had rotating weekends, and it was fun. We, we, We made it actually very comical at certain points. Where in what said, way? hey, is it your weekend or is it my weekend? Uh-huh. Hey, how about if I cover this weekend so I can have both weekends off for free? Or how about if I get these hours? So it was lovely that we were able to communicate and coordinate in that aspect. And in addition to that, I actually trained, I guess you can say trained or informed my friends about my current caregiving situation and that I couldn't go out to meet them. But if they wanted to hang out, my friends wanted to hang out. They would have to do home visits with me wow. and grandma. <laughs> so my friends actually started asking me and say, hey, is, it, is this grandma weekend? If so, let me come over, pick up some food. We'll watch a movie. I think this is when Netflix just started, like let's watch a streaming movie. So you can stay at home, still keep an eye on grandma, but we can still have friend hangout time. And wow. I keep saying I'm fortunate. Or maybe I'm just good at persuading people to come over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have very accommodating friends, and they wanted to see you. So the idea right, of right. spending time with you, however they could, was what they were right. up for. So you're talking about trading on and off on the weekends. Were you living with her full-time, or was she living alone and you would see her on the weekends? No, I was living there full-time. Okay. But I meant, in, in terms of weekends, if I've had a good 40 hours right. during the week, and I, need, I needed my respite care or my day off just to go for a hike or go somewhere, then I'd, I'd coordinate with one of my family members and say, hey, can you come over? I just really need to leave for five hours to mm-hmm. run my own errands and mm-hmm. things. And it was great. And your brother was living with you too, and so that you coordinated with each other on the weekends in addition to coordinating with other family members is what you're saying? Yeah, and that's okay. when I started learning that, you know what, like the skills I learned in college and the skills I've learned at work, the work skills, they're all transferable skills. I really think of caregiving on a bigger scale takes a lot of project management skills. Mm -hmm. So I I started seeing it as a job that I looked forward to and I wanted to project manage it. And if I really wanted to do a great job, I should really be on point to the point where we have color-coded calendars of who's doing what. In the beginning, it wasn't so task-heavy, but towards the end, it it got really intense. And that was, what, in the last couple of years of her life? The last couple of years got really intense, and especially the last two months of hospice care. Just took it to a a completely different level, because now it wasn't project managing with family members. It was project managing with hospice nurses and the entire program and just coordinating that. And in addition to that, I also wanted to throw in an element. All of this caregiving is happening in Chinese. Huh. with my grandma. So there's, there's a specific language barrier. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm 100% fluent, but when other home health aides or other nurses started coming in, there was a hopefully not a too much loss in translation, but that was another skill set that had to happen. Huh. But typical day, I mean, it goes from all the tasks from waking up, getting grandma some water, helping her up with her dentures, giving her her meds, making breakfast, transferring from her bed to her favorite table, mahjong table. That is her throne. <laughs> that is her uh-huh. table. Uh-huh. And then I go get the newspaper, get her her phone so she can start calling all the other grandmas and coordinating <laughs> her fun mahjong time. That's her social club, I would say. And then, yeah, and then tending to the garden, taking care of things, getting groceries. A lot of the 
you know, what I guess, you know, what the field calls activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain point, then I started giving her insulin shots and then coordinating doctor's appointments. And then when usually midday is pretty good because uh, the other grandmas drive the other grandmas to my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And then they all start gambling, playing mahjong. It's a great social time. Right. And yeah, your grandmother but, yeah. made those arrangements on her own? Oh, yeah. The phone would ring before 9 a.m. Everybody's asking, hey, what time should we come over? So no. Every day? <laughs> yeah, almost every day. Well, that's great, though. We believe as a family, as a whole, that Mahjong is what made Grandma live for this long because it was so active in terms of using her brain, her memory, strategizing. Even though it's gambling, it's a strategizing. But are you familiar with Mahjong? No, I'm not. Give me a quick uh, little lesson on it. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie Joylet Club? No, I never saw that one. The rundown is it takes four players. There's a table. There's a lot of uh, marble tiles that you shuffle around. Right. And then um, from what I hear, the the game is very similar to gin, where you stack some cards and then you get three of a kind or cards that are consecutive in a row. You can play many, many rounds. I mean, it can go for five, six, eight to ten hours, depending Mm -hmm. on how many rounds you want to go. But there's shuffling. There's shuffling of the marble tiles and there's stacking of the tiles and then you're reaching for cards for cards so in essence it's a physical game with your body with your upper right, body and right. then it uses your brain but the most important part was more the social engagement I think my grandma loved it when they were just sharing stories of what's going on with their lives it's just like the Asian version of playing poker basically mm-hmm. and the tough part I was going to say was this when I had to stop the game and tell the other grandmas, you know, because they're all really into this game. I mean, you don't want to slow a game down when four grandmas are trying to, you know, win each other's money. And I'm here serving tea, slicing oranges, like, hey, you know, have some drinks. But then I have to stop the game and say, Grandma's time to go to the restroom to change uh-huh. your diapers. And uh-huh. I mean, she was a sassy woman. So she'd look at me and go, no, 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 just one more round. And then so I'd look at the other three grandmas. I'm like, mm-mm, she's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain routine where it's, you know, you get her up, help her get dressed, change the diapers, make sure the meds, the food, but then now the normal day happens and you have to check in every one to two hours because of the incontinence. You got to change the diapers, make sure nothing's soiled. There's no bacteria that she's sitting on and she, she doesn't know when she's gone. So I have to check. Mm-hmm. And it just became part of my lifestyle. I'm like, sure. okay. Yeah. You know, so, so again, project managing, I know when I need to tend to grandma's needs. So between those times, I know when I, I can do stuff. I'm like, okay, I have an hour now. Talk Let about strategizing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really wanted to maximize maximize what I had going on. And, I, you know, I'm telling you, this winning strategy did not happen overnight. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you make a good point. Most of us refine our skills as caregivers over time. We don't learn everything all at once. But then once we learn, we're like machines. It's like, this works. I'm going to keep doing this until it doesn't work anymore. And and no one can tell you that it's going to go another way. Yeah, I really do believe caregiving is a lifestyle. And when I figured that out, I said, okay, I'm not just going to be a caregiver. I can have what I, I was telling myself at that time, work-life balance. And did you find it? <laughs> Oh, I found it. Absolutely. I even built a workout room in the house. So how big was the house? And was it all on one level? Did your grandmother have an easy time getting around? I'm not sure in terms of square footage, but there's five bedrooms here. But when I was in college, my aunt and my father, they they, they recognized that grandma's getting old and that we'd have to build a extension to the house. 
mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. So we built two bedroom, one bath down on the first floor because it's a two-story house. We mm-hmm. knew that grandma shouldn't be going up and down the stairs at a certain point mm-hmm. at her age. Mm-hmm. So as a family, we were very proactive in looking at home modifications. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. her to get around, it was really good to have that. And then when she was in a wheelchair, then we were able to navigate her easily. Um, but yeah, so there's just a loft area. And I'm like, well, if this space is, isn't being used, I am going to build a workout gym here because I don't have time to go to the gym. I can go for a run, but you know, if I really wanted to de-stress and do some training, then I'm just going to work out here. And the funny part about that is my grandma's not a small being. She weighed at a certain point 100, like 185 pounds. Was she tall? No, she wasn't tall. She was just at a certain point when she wasn't moving around as yeah, much. She wasn't uh-huh. using her lower torso mm-hmm. and she was in a wheelchair. She started gaining a little bit of weight. Before, mm-hmm. she was an active woman walking to the groceries, to the bus stops, everything. But I think when she became diabetic and she wasn't moving as much, she started gaining a little bit more weight. So my grandma always teased me and said, hey, why are you working out so much? You're wasting your energy and your breath. And then I look at her. I'm like, grandma, you're not exactly that light. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm tra- I mean, if you're going to get sassy with me, I'm going to get sassy with you too. But oh. it was more of, you know, I need to prepare my body. And make sure I'm able to transfer grandma properly, or at least like be able to take care of some weight. So yeah, um, it it was an interesting balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were the hardest parts for you? Oh, that's a tough question. You got me on that one. I think the hardest part for me really was seeing my grandma go through the struggle of being a traditional, independent, strong woman from China, raising kids on her own, raising her grandchildren on her own, just like doing everything and then getting to a point in life where she had to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I saw her actually struggle with that. When I started becoming her companion in my 20s, I'm just hanging out with her. She would just continue to do that side, just like, what has happened to my life? I've been so independent doing this. I can't even get a cup of water for myself. I can't even take myself to the bathroom. Like just seeing the humanity in it and her struggling with aging mm-hmm. and asking for help. That was tough. Mm-hmm. But with that, I was able to work with her and myself to spin it to a more positive light and say, hey, grandma, this is part of life and I'm happy to be here to take care of you. Because you, I can tell she felt like she was a burden but I didn't see it as a burden. It was my opportunity to give back and give her the love that she deserved. So it was this weird psychological game that we played with each other. But what really helped us through it was humor. Like, then I started just kind of joking with her, like making light of the situation. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Let me go ahead and do this. And I mean, it's going to get a little graphic here, but even That's with okay. the incontinence, that was the tough part. I mean, like, yeah. you're you're right up in there, you know, wiping things away. And then for her, she was embarrassed. I, I mean, it was more me sympathizing with her and not making it seem awkward for her. The hard part was I had to keep my composer, composure so that she didn't feel so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We're all human, right? So of if I've course. had a bad day... I might not have as much patience. I might be grunting when I'm changing diapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not her fault or my fault. I'm just human. Did your brother um, change diapers I, as well? Yes, yes. Good everybody for him. got into it. Good. Yeah, Good for everybody him. got everybody got into it. And 
Did you speak with her exclusively in Mandarin? In Cantonese. In Cantonese. How good was her English? Very minimal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when you had the health, home health aides coming in, did you use a service that provided you with Cantonese-speaking aides? How did you handle that? Towards the last several years, we uh, went through a couple uh, live-in caretakers, and then we were able to find one through uh, a family friend that spoke Cantonese mm-hmm. that was from China. So she was she felt really comfortable with her. I mean, we went through several caregivers until hired caregivers until grandma felt really comfortable with one. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, we found one that we really like. And then we made sure that we were all registered through in-home support services mm-hmm. to make sure uh, uh, that our the caregiver that we really like was covered by the county because she was doing really great work. So there became a point where I was a primary caregiver along with my brother. And then we needed more professional help because clearly we only know so much. And so mm-hmm. we got more people on hand. And then that's when I started learning about the services that are available between the county and home support services, available home care agencies if we needed anything. But again, uh, dependent on grandma's comfort level of who was taking care of her. And I think that's one of the things why the family wanted to give as much as possible until we needed additional help. Mm-hmm. And did you have good support services there in terms of financial reimbursements, or did you guys handle all that? Was it all private pay? It was a it was a combo. There was uh-huh. private pay for certain things, but with the in, in-home support services, we were working with social workers coming in, checking out what tasks needed to be done to help grandma live her re- regular daily life. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a combination of both, and um, I would say that we were fortunate to have that. Now, Jen, was your mom involved in your grandmother's care? Um, I would say she'd visit, but no, she was not hands-on. My grandma is my dad's mom. Oh, I see. So, yeah, and then my parents separated when I was very, very young, and then they carried on with their lives and supported new families. So to answer your question, yeah, my mom was not in the picture to help out, but she came to family dinners here and there. Uh-huh, and what about your dad, your biological dad? My biological dad, he's a traveling businessman, so he was not home that much. Mm-hmm. Wow, you really stepped up. I know you had a lot of help. You had other cousins. You had other family members, yeah, but yeah, still. Yeah, I definitely want to give credit to everybody. Yeah, it, right. it was a team effort, I think. Being there, it was more the day-to-day companionship, day-to-day companionship and caregiving. That's the bulk of it, but I would not say that I was the lone star. It, it, you know, caregiving mm-hmm. takes a village, and I was fortunate to have a village that's within very close radius to mm-hmm. where everything needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it was really the perfect storm in terms of allowing your grandmother to stay in her house until she passed, more or less, right? I mean, that's a dream for most people. Yes, it was, and this is the house that she raised all of us in, and this is the house she wanted to transition from. So we were able to honor her request, and with the two months of the hospice, uh, we were able to give Grandma what she deserved, and it was a very, very peaceful passing. Mm, That's really great. And so you're living in that house now? Yes, currently. Okay, and is your brother still living there? Not at this point. He started his own family, so he's Hmm. got another, uh, yeah, so he's got another house, got a wife, and got a baby girl. Not so much baby anymore, but she's about to turn two in June. Wow, and so you're holding down that fort all on your own. (laughs) For now. Now. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of memories, so this house is not going away anytime soon. Let's just say that. 
Well, when the person who started the house sort of thing is no longer living, you're holding on to the house for reasons that have less to do with logistical concerns, I think, than emotional concerns. It's very hard to let go of a house, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how long do you think you'll live there? That is a fantastic question. I actually don't know. I haven't really projected any time frame yet. Mm-hmm. I'm also very attached to the fruit trees that are in the backyard. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of an additional glue, too. And it's really funny, but it's actually it's, it happens every year just when all the fruit trees bloom. All the families come over. We're picking fruit. It's like a tradition. Mm-hmm. And then grandma's mahjong gambling friends, they would call and say, are the fruit trees you know, ready? Can we harvest? They'd come over and mm-hmm. they would pick the fruit. So it's become an annual thing or seasonal thing where people would just come. And it's really a great vibe of love and energy. And it's just like continuing to give. Even if grandma's not here, they're like, oh, I remember when your grandma planted this tree when you were this young. And now it's still so big, and now it's just continue to give love. So I poke fun that, you know, I'm not leaving if the fruit trees are still here, but it creates some type of a priceless bond that you have with grandma's community and also our family. Mm-hmm. And when do the fruit trees bloom? They're starting. I'm seeing the buds. I would have to say uh, late spring, summer to fall. Plum trees, apple trees, persimmon trees, the loquat tree is popping up. And so, so now I'm learning all this. I mean, I'm, I've become quite the gardener. <laughs> and you're becoming the caretaker of the house. The caretaker of the house. You're right on on that. So you began caring for your grandmother in your early 20s. You're a member of the millennial generation. How do you think this has changed, if at all, your experience with your grandmother, your views of getting older? Wow. You know, nobody's really asked me this question. I would have to say... Uh, I think early on, I didn't realize this, but I definitely say in terms of caregiving for grandma, it's made me appreciate my life, Mm -hmm. my body specifically, Mm -hmm. and not to take my bodily functions for granted, Mm -hmm. especially going to use the toilet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being being able to walk, being able to get up off a chair. These are all such simple things, but I don't take any of those motions for granted. And then towards the end, um, also, I don't take breathing for granted. I know it sounds, I don't know if it's morbid, but, you know, towards the last month for grandma, she was on an oxygen machine, and I just kind of saw how that worked. I we needed to take care of my lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it was a very physical level of appreciating my body and also making sure I'm healthy or even encouraging other people to take care of their body. So that's one of the number one things because... Most of the caregiving was a physical aspect between my grandma and I. But the other thing that I really, it was really brought up, hit home to me was the concept of humanity. And also being with grandma, she would always give me these proverbs or statements that she'd say, you know, and one of those was like, doesn't matter how much money you make, you can't take it to the grave. Mm-hmm. It's about what you bring to this world. So it's just kind of like, for me, thinking no matter how successful you are, how much money you make, or whatever you have, all the possessions, all the assets you have, there's going to come a point when it's just going to have to be human to human. There are basic human needs. Mm -hmm. And if you can't meet those basic human needs, nothing else matters. Because there's going to be a point where you're going to have to ask for help or somebody has to recognize that they want to help you. Like Mm -hmm. in the simple thing of my grandma just 
getting so frustrated asking just for a cup of water because she's, she's parched and she could be parched because she's taking all these medicine. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But she was frustrated just asking for a cup of water. So for me, I just, instead of letting her ask me, I'd just get up in the morning and give her a cup of water, serving her and you know, several hours throughout the day. So that human need of hydration is fulfilled. And being able to think for other people and thinking about what they need, this is a skill that I'm going to carry with me through the rest of my life, being able to sympathize, but also considering for other people's needs versus my own. I'm so happy I got this experience because I just got thrown into it. And maybe I would have gone through this experience in the next 20, 30 years. But I feel lucky and fortunate I got to experience this in my 20s. Because then now I have the rest of my, hopefully, 60, 70 years Mm -hmm. to really appreciate my body and do more and recognize instances of humanity and kind of give, continue to give back. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Senior Shower Project. How does it work and why did you start it? The project itself, it's a startup that I founded, and the entire concept of the Senior Shower Project is to plan parties called Senior Showers for family members that are about to become a caregiver for an older adult in their family. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I really want to do that is because I think caregiving is such a special role within a family, and I think it should be celebrated. The whole mission of the project is to celebrate caregivers with a party. And the way it started... (laughs) Interestingly, I was at my first baby shower. I was at my friend's baby shower. And when I was sitting there, I was playing all the baby shower games and talking about babies. And everybody's talking about when they're going to have babies. Uh, And I just sat there and somebody turned around to me and said, hey, Jen, when are you going to have a baby? (laughs) And this is, I think I was in in the thick of caregiving for my grandma. This is probably Mm -hmm. when I was in my Mm mid-20s. And then I just turned to this person and without thinking said, Actually, you know, I got a baby. <laughs> I've got a really, really big baby, and and I could use a break, maybe in like five years. And then all the girls just stopped and looked at me like, we didn't know you had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, I'm talking about my grandma. And then they just had this weird look on their face. I said, no, it's, you know, I change her diapers, I feed her, I put clothes on her, I take her to the toilet, I drive her to the doctor's appointment. I just started listing everything that I did. And I said, oh, wow, taking care of an older adult towards their end of life is very similar to taking care of a small baby, like an infant, who mm-hmm. needs all that, all that help. And, and then I just sat there with my brain and said, oh, my goodness, I think I have an idea here. And I'm sitting here looking at this baby shower. I said, wait a second. All right, new moms and new dads get this party, and they get friends who come together and share parenting advice. Like, these are the things you can expect. These are the things not to worry about. They're gifts. These are I saw those as tools and resources that new parents would need to take care of a n- newborn. And I was like, wow, people get together like a support group and give you all this parenting advice. And then you get all these gifts so that you're prepared for this new parenting role. There's so much support for people who take care of the beginning of life. I said, is there something similar to people who take care of those who are going towards the end of life? Family caregivers could use a round table of caregiving wisdom. You don't go to school for caregiving. You just kind of do it. So my vision is to create this new party called the Senior Shower, where families get together. When somebody says, I'm going to become a caregiver for an older adult in the family, then family and friends will get together for a senior shower and have this party. And the topic, the theme would be caregiving. So come with your caregiving stories or whatever you want to share. And then bring these gifts that the new caregiver can use to help take care of the older adult. Like, this is step one. Because caregiving could be highly stressful. 
you know, to everybody's say the situation least. is to say the least. So this, you know, everybody's situation is different. Right. So if, if, if you're going to do this, let's start out with a bang. Let's start you off with a high note, knowing that you have a group support team. you got some cheerleaders on your side, knowing what you're about to do and to set you up for success, at least at the very beginning. And you have to catch them early, but then so often it's, it's a sudden occurrence being a caregiver. So how yeah. do you find Absolutely. your, your clients? So that's one of the things I'm working on right now. Um, mm-hmm. I just launched my startup in December of last year. So in terms of getting clients right now, um, a lot of peers and colleagues have suggested that I reach out to discharge nurses or mm-hmm. those type of departments because mm-hmm. after an incident could happen, families will need the help of, okay, now I have to take care of mom, dad, grandma, who, you know, what have you. Like I'm going to have to start caring for this person. So that would be the primary step of taking care of starting that conversation of having a senior shower. My business is an event planning business. I'm the party planner. So I would be working with the families to see if I can help you host this party and what are the needs, what are the conditions, and that's how it works. And from my perspective as a party planner, I'm also going to curate the proper caregiver resources for the new family caregiver and the care recipient. Like this is what I believe your starter pack should be based on everything that you've told me Mm -hmm. and based on whatever the caregiving condition requires. So as a new caregiver, you're thrown in the mix and you're just trying to figure out where to start. There's all these websites, there's all these hotlines, there's all these resources. This is something where we need to stop and say, hey, let's just get everybody together. Things are going to change. Let's just mark this moment in time. And then from there, we'll all create, if possible, maybe like a care team, care plan all together. Let's create a care plan. So for me, the senior shower is is a point in time where everybody can get on the same page and realize what's happening. And then from there, my big, big vision is hopefully creating a senior shower to become a new tradition for families where people have birthdays, people get married, they get bridal showers, people have babies, they have baby showers. And then when people start taking care of the seniors in the family, then there's a senior shower because it's truly about the circle of life, in my opinion. It seems like you've been heavily influenced by your culture and this whole idea of caring for an elder. It comes naturally to you, right? I'd have to agree with that. I think, uh, if, again, I'm going to go back to respecting the elders as part of our culture, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you weren't doing your best to provide for an older adult in your family, I think it's looked down upon. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say within the immediate family, it could be from just the community. I mean, think about, like, grandma's mahjong friends found out that we were like, okay, you're not going to take care of grandma. We're just going to have her figure it out on her own. That's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. You had such a positive example of an older person in your life growing up, really. And I think that makes a difference in terms of how you personally view aging. But as a culture, we're so obsessed with youth. And I think it's really important to get stories like yours out there and to tell positive stories of aging, because obviously you got something positive out of your experience of caring for your grandmother. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to start my project because deep into taking care of my grandma, I just met people, new friends or other, whoever I met, maybe like in a grocery store or something, people that I meet would say, wow, you are so noble. I can't do what you do. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just taking care of my grandma. They're like, I just don't know, even know where to start. I can't do what you do. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, it's really not that difficult. And I kept hearing it over and over again. I said, I think this is an education piece. If we tell people aging's really not that crazy, 
not that scary. There's actually a lot of benefits to it. Maybe people will embrace it more. So I really wanted to voice that, hey, caregiving for an older adult and seeing aging as, uh, you know, like I said, bringing back the humanity is so beautiful that people should really look forward to it. Like it's nothing to be afraid of or to deny it, to stay away from and like postpone it because to me there's so much wisdom in it there's so many stories and and like I said I come from a positive perspective where you know the more I age it's like the more I know and the more I can give back and share I think that's a wonderful attitude and I think that's a good note to close on so Jen Chan she's the founder of the Senior Shower Project thanks so much for being on the show I love your wisdom and I love the work that you're doing thanks a lot Jen thank you Janet bye 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 that's it for today thanks for joining us the age wise podcast is produced and edited by me Jenna Panaritis and you can listen to the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts including most recently on Google Play Music the age wise podcast is also distributed on the nationally syndicated speak up talk radio network 24-7 streaming and on-demand network that's always on for you. And don't forget to check out our website for more amazing caregiving stories from the field. Go to agewise.com. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says, and find out how you can be a guest on the show. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.